I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. When you think about which industries have been disrupted by innovators in the last few decades, you might think about Apple or Tesla disrupting the tech and automotive industries respectively, but what industries still present big opportunities for disruption? The last few years have seen legions of crypto fans backing blockchain technology as the thing that'll shake up the stale banking industry. But how do we distinguish the bluster from the bleeding edge? Stephen Moss is the founder and CEO of Bullion FX, a decentralized, scalable, and future-proofing financial ecosystem underpinned by a new gold standard. So what makes Bullion FX different from the other blockchain players that have been caught out as the crypto titers receded? Can the monolithic banking industry really be challenged? And what does the future money really look like? So let's get into it. Steve Moss, CEO and founder of Bullion FX. Welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you, Mark. All right. Uh, as soon as I see the words Bullion FX, I think of crypto, I think of decentralized finance, I think of about fucking drama, market gyrations, <laughs> a lot of stuff that makes me nervous when it comes to the whole crypto world. Hasn't been that pleasant over the last couple of years. It was pretty good before to anyone invested in it. It's not that good now. Where does bullion FX fit into that drama? Firstly, just the technology behind crypto is amazing. It, it has the potential to change the world. As in blockchain. Um, as in blockchain. It's a shame it started off as a currency. There are a lot of applications we're seeing today in terms of medical records, logistics, food safety, etc. The ASX. The ASX as yeah. well. You've now got, you know, if you look at the G20 countries, 19 of them have active plans to implement digital currency today. And so it's a shame it started off with Bitcoin. But like all new technologies, they all start off with something a bit weird. Sure. But no, I mean, blockchain is the technology, crypto is the, is the product of it. Yeah, and, and you're correct. I mean, the internet started off with, uh, with porn and gambling. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But they always find their levels. Mm. So the technology being blockchain, um, as you just said, is being used in lots of applications today outside of cryptocurrency. But it's been popularised and therefore when anything, anything gets popularised, it gets demonised if it doesn't perform the way people expect, particularly in the media. Is it fair that it has been demonised, cryptocurrency? It is fair because there are a lot of cowboys in the industry. It, it is a mechanism that allows a lot of cowboys to exist. Unregulated. Unregulated. I mean, this is an industry that's moving a lot faster than regulation is moving. So there's a real risk that it does outrun regulation and 
and continues. You and I have a point of agreement that is blockchain is fantastic, great technology. Just in terms of another way of looking at where data is stored and how it's stored in terms of technology, blockchain is fantastic and it has lots of applications. So we have a, an agreement on that. I also agree with you that it's an unregulated environment. Unregulated environments when it comes to cryptocurrency using blockchain invites good people and bad actors as well. And I think we both agree that unfortunately the bad actors have sort of taken front and centre stage over the last couple of years um, through failures. I think from your and my point of view, that's the end of the conversation with re- relation to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Where does Bullion FX your platform fit into all this and why did you create Bullion FX? So if you broadly look at crypto and what's happening um, with the evolution of money, the world has very much gone through, let's call it Web 1, Web 2 and Web 3. Web 1 has been very much sort of read what's posted. Web 2 uh, has been built around the concept of a cloud. Let's put all of our information in this cloud and let's share it and we'll easily be able to access it and essentially you know, he's created a centralised database. So right now it's all stored in a central location. Correct. I mean, that's how Google operates, Facebook operates, it's how the web operates. And whoever's running that cloud will decide whether you receive that information, whether you receive another bit of information, how to prioritise your search results, et cetera. Yeah. So in centralising information, we've also brought around a centralisation of how that information is managed and distributed. And And what are the dangers of that? The dangers of that is that there's one central point of control. So it's open to manipulation, it's open to data changing. Stealing. Stealing, yep hacking. But Web3 is very much moving into the decentralization of that cloud, which means that there's no longer one point of centralized storage. There are now thousands of smaller points of storage. Which is what blockchain allows. Which is essentially what blockchain allows. We just tease that out a little bit, Steve. So we've got Web2, which is where we sort of live at the moment. All the data comes into, for any one user, it comes into their servers, which are all sitting in a rack in one place, well, maybe, by the way, it could be in 20, 30 different places around the world, depending on if they're a multinational, all that sort of stuff. Amazon's got them all over the joint. And that's very efficient, although it's not environmentally efficient, to be honest with you, but it's quite efficient. <laughs> um, and it's inexpensive, relatively speaking. And it gets it out of your office, so you're not worried about that sort of drum, having something sit in your office, you don't have to worry about security. And now Web3 is saying, no, no, let's not look at that. Let's, instead of having one place where it's stored, let's distribute it amongst a thousand places, which is Web3. Yeah, correct. So looking at a real example, traditionally the banking system structure is a centralised system. So your money is collectively stored with everybody else's. It's stored in that centralised banking server. So you put it in the bank, it's stored with everybody else's. So my money and your money is all mixed up. It's all mixed up. The one bank, place. In one place. The bank then um, is a centralised point of control. So it dictates whether you can send it to somebody, whether you can't send it to somebody, how much cash you can withdraw, etc. Because it's not real. We're not talking about real cash here because it's just data. It's so, just data. So basically my money, my deposit is not cash, but it's not sort of sitting in a vault somewhere. It's data about what Mark owns. And Steve's data, or Steve's money on deposit, is also data. Because so, we're talking about data storage here. We're not talking about cash storage. Correct. So centralisation is centralisation of data relative to what Steve has and what Mark has and what everyone else has. 
Correct. And so people inherently trust uh, centralised institutions to uh, operate collective pools of cash, assets, debt. Um, which are all database. Which are all database, and which us as users inherently trust a board of experts to manage risk accordingly. Yeah, because we've always thought, but because you know what's interesting about that, so you know, I'll guarantee you, if you walk out in the street and you ask fifty people, why do you trust a bank? They can securely store your money, but actually, there's no such thing as money anymore. I mean, maybe there's a bit of cash around, but it's it's really. Every, every dollar I or every asset I have in terms of dollars, dollars and cents, is actually data. It's just data which represents my money. And cash money is reducing as well. I think if you look at world debt clock right now, the amount of cash has reduced around 70 or 80% over the last few years. Yeah, by 70 or um, 80%. Yeah. By 70 or 80%. And so there's very much a, a push to move money into, into a digital sense. Yeah, so it's all digital money. Yeah, digital is a better word, actually. It is. Yeah. It is. The banking system itself, you know, generally it's trust and generally we see it as trust, but I think uh, also generally we as a society have a very short memory. The banking sector has been severely struggling with trust for decades and decades. Then how would Web3 redesign that? Allows us to take control of our own data, essentially. And so we're moving from a model with a centralised cloud where everyone pulls the data and assets and cash into a model where there are lots of little scattered clouds and we all have custody of our own assets, we can all manage our own assets and we can essentially plug our wallets in to participate in in the broader economy. So there's no centralised point of control there that, that can tell us where to spend our money or where not to spend it or whether we can withdraw it, et cetera. Um, but more importantly, it, it, it does pose a threat to the banks, Web3, um, because the entire banking model is is basically funded on on the basis of loaning out customer deposits as well. And so that's an area that the banking system will very much struggle with. I think the existing under the under the existing Basel regulations, banks only need to keep eight percent of capital on hand. And so the banking system is essentially built off loaning out ninety two percent of your money. Yeah, you put a hundred dollars into the bank, they loan out ninety two dollars and earn an income off that, and and that's essentially what's funding the bank. Yeah, so they system. they they borrow money from you, and then they relend it to somebody else. Correct. That's that's the game, and they've got to hold eight percent in just in case something goes wrong. Well, yeah, and you could argue is that enough? I mean, yeah, there yeah. have been half a dozen banks that have collapsed this year because there have been a run on deposits. I don't, yeah, but I don't buy that it's not enough at this stage. I, I don't buy that. Um, but it doesn't matter because we're not here to talk about that. I guess at the end of the day, because you know your 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 game, you're not here to bag banks anyway. You're here, I mean, your your deal, Bullion FX is saying, well, here's a different, as I understand, here's a different alternative, here's a different way to do your banking. It's a different way. It's a different way. I, I think. I think the the hopefully the lesson for banks here is is that they need to evolve. Yeah. Um. You know, with CBDCs around the corner, or central bank digital currencies, especially in Australia, you know, Australia is taking that seriously, and there is a high chance we could have a digital Australian dollar. And if we do have a digital Australian dollar, that may change the the way banking is done in this country. I mean, historically, for you to receive money from the central bank or the Reserve Bank of Australia, you need a bank account because they need somewhere to deposit that money into. Um, so going down the CBDC path, digital currency path, will allow users potentially to have their own wallet 
and receive money directly in their own wallet. Bypass the banking and system. And bypass the banking system instead of having to inherently trust a bank. And so it will be interesting to see how central bank digital currencies evolve in that fashion and how the banks change their models and, and, and potentially what they do to convince us to, to leave our digital Australian dollars in the bank when when that does happen. So I think it is a space that the banks have to take seriously. I think having the attitude that, um, you know, blockchain is bad or blockchain is drug money or Bitcoin is, you know, bad um, is, is a bit of an ignorant approach. And I think the banks should should seriously consider strategies around the evolution of money. You know, this is very much an industry that is evolving very quickly. Um, and again, you know, as a society, we have very short memory, but you know, money has evolved exponentially over the last 100 years. I mean, we really only saw credit cards in the 50s and 60s and we've seen debt markets blow out and now we're seeing digital money. Um, so this is very much something that's happening in our generation um, and very much something that that I think people should at least be aware of, be educated on. Um, people don't have to like Web3 or blockchain, but it is definitely something that you should be educated around and, and have an opinion on regardless. That's a good point. And so something's coming. We can't tell you anybody what it actually going to look like or how it's going to work, but the idea is there and it is proceeding at a fairly rapid rate. It's developing quite quickly like like everything else in technology. It's a technology race um, and whether or not banks adopt it, whether or not central banks adopt it, um, consumers ultimately will make the decision, make the call, and then everybody else will follow. And and you did raise, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of the people in crypto in the crypto world are either you know people who are trying to hide their transactions, but there are also a lot of people. Well, there will be a lot of people who want to, if they feel safe, will want to use blockchain and decentralized banking to just to make transactions. It could be someone who's here from India. And they want to make some, they just made some money, and they got it deposited into wherever they got it deposited into, um, they, either their digital wallet or alternatively got put it into their bank account, and they want to transfer it to their to their family in India, and they don't want to pay fees, and they don't want to wait three days, and, that, yeah, and, and 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 decentralized banking will accommodate that, and there will be a, a whole cohort of people who will take that up straight up, and that's just one example. Why did you set Bullion FX up? Bullion FX is a decentralized financial ecosystem built on audited physical gold. It's essentially a non-bank built on gold. So Bullion FX is looking to use gold as a currency. Um, just to example of, of somebody working here and wanting to maybe send money back to India, um, you've also got to consider that person in India may not have a bank account. And so crypto is being used as a, as a real method to transfer wealth around the world. The biggest issue with the market right now is that it, it's been built on unstable currencies. You know, Bitcoin is not a stable currency. Ethereum is not a stable currency. Explain that. What do you mean stable currency? By stable currency, I mean a currency that you can buy today and and send to your family overseas and, and still have confidence that it's going to retain its value over the next 24 hours. Yeah, which is one of the advantages of regulated banks, banking environments right now? Because, I mean, the Australian government, for example, guarantees the value of a dollar. If you got a dollar here and you send it over to someone else's Australian dollars, it's still worth that one dollar. I'm not talking about currency exchange rates. I'm just talking about that one Australian dollar is still worth one Australian dollar. It's not worth half of a dollar because the Australian government guarantees it. Correct. Whereas in 
decentralized environments, that's not the case normally because it's not not regulated and it's not guaranteed. Correct. It's 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 not stable. Yeah, I, I guess you could say. And yeah. so that's that's very much a weakness of the crypto industry. You know, Bitcoin is not stable. Ethereum is not stable. Um, you may have heard of USDT or USDC, um, which purports Tether. to be stable coin. Tether, which purports to be a stable coin. Um, but there is serious concern around those products. They're not audited properly. The regulations still haven't caught up to them. Um, they have had instances where they've depegged. Um, and also at the end of the day, I mean, Tether, uh, which keeps, is one of the cryptocurrencies, which is one of the cryptocurrencies, keeps its US dollars uh, diversified among banks, which then only hold 8% in assets. Yeah, so over it's the holdings. Yeah, so, so it's only as good as the banks that they hold. It's only as good as the banks that are holding it. Yeah. So, you know, USDC, we saw the other day, depegged from $1 and went to 90 cents because one of the banks they bank with collapsed. Right. Um, so I think users users really have to question the, the stability of some of those stable products in the crypto. Well, so if I could just break it down a little bit. So what you're saying is already in the marketplace there are some cryptocurrencies or digital currencies which recognise the fact that they're not guaranteed by governments, um, therefore potentially unstable because they're subject to market forces up and down, pricing moves around. Um and that's a bit erratic anyway because the cryptocurrencies get spooked by anything. Um, so some people have recognised that. Some organisations have recognised that. So what they've said, well, let's peg the value of our currency, Tether, for example, is one of the currencies. Let's peg that to the value US dollar. But what you're saying is that's not a – well, that has potential failures in it as well because where they put their money to peg against the value of the – currency that they're putting out there, Tether, um, those institutions by definition aren't perfectly stable either. Along comes Bullion FX, along comes Steve Moss with his ideation about an alternative way to to build confidence. Bullion FX has developed two core products. One of them is gold. Gold is a currency which is a digital token you can hold directly and the vision of that is very much to be used as a stable currency. Gold as a currency, we've been the first to solve some of the blockchain industry issues like audit and liquidity. But predominantly, we're accessing two markets. You know, there's very much in, in this sort of sense, there's very much a crypto market and a retail market. And we have application to both. So on the crypto side, you know, gold is very much seen as a solid audited anchor that's physically redeemable if websites go down. So there's a centralised price for it, basically, too. There's a centralised price for it and, and you know, you can solve that through liquidity. You can tie spot markets together. So every time a gold token is created, it's purchased on the spot market and every time someone sells it, it's sold. The physical gold is sold on the spot market. And so tying the spot market together with the price of a digital token gives a lot of stability over the product itself, audited by BDO. Right. Um, and this is another issue the industry has faced. You know, the, the industry really has lacked audit. Um, BDO blockchain are the first auditors in the world to offer institutional grade audit. Um, and so we can we can have peace of mind around that that product coming to the industry as well. That's it. So you're sort of bringing in um, old world currencies, which is gold, into a new world, digital world. We're bringing real stability and bring gold back as a currency. And there's two real markets, I guess, we're trying to address in that. The first one is the crypto market. Crypto is extremely speculative. You know, the industry does need a, a solid 
Bitcoin. You know, we've been able to position gold in that sense as more of a token. So BuoyantFX is very much on the front line of allowing products in the blockchain world to build on gold, to use gold as a secure, stable source or an anchor, if if you may. So, you know, some blockchain products offer huge potential. They all trade over Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDT, and all of these unstable protocols. And so BuoyantFX has done a lot of work on the front line, positioning gold as, a, as an anchor in the blockchain industry as a flight to safety. You know, this is a product that if websites disappear, people can go and physically redeem it. And that hasn't been seen in the blockchain industry to date. It's a gold backbone through the industry. So we do allow products to be built on top of it. It's not complex, but it's new. It's conceptually new. So it takes a bit to um, get into your head. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm back with Steve Moss and uh, he's the... CEO and founder, business called Bullion FX. Um, FX has in, uh, you know, the word we used to use for foreign exchange, I guess, FX. Um, and we just, Steve just explained to us the uniqueness of token that Bullion FX issues in relation to its, let's call it its stability, particularly in terms of value and also its re- the redeemability of that stability. So, mate, just take me through. So I'm a punter. I want to participate or engage with Bullion FX. How's that work? We've developed a web exchange, a decentralised web exchange, which allows you to keep your wealth in your own wallet. You would either go on our exchange on our website and you would upload funds through a debit card or a credit card or a bank transfer and then you'd be able to buy and sell gold. Or alternatively, you download our app, which is in development right now, and you'd be able to upload funds through Apple Pay or transfer or whatever it may be. And you'd be able to buy gold easily at spot price with no spread, no fees, etc. And once you purchase that gold, it would sit in your wallet, which means it's not being held in a centralized trust that you have to inherently trust someone to manage. It's it's, it's held, my digital wallet. By it's the held way. with your digital wallet, yep. which could be on your phone yep. or on your computer. Yep. Or it could be a USB stick. And it would sit there until you wish to sell it. We're also developing a range of tools to utilize that as a currency. So we're currently developing debit cards to link to that. We're developing payment and transfer mechanisms to allow you to send somebody gold by SMS or text message or a number of different ways. 
And in the blockchain world, you know, we're also developing a lot of ways for you to earn a rate of interest on that gold and uh, developing methods for you to use that gold as security to take out a loan. So trying to tackle the the core um, issues around savings and debt markets within that so gold can be used as a real currency. At some stage, either through a debit card or a credit card, I might be able to uh, go along to a merchant and transfer to that merchant uh, some of that 50 grand, maybe 10 grand because I want to buy, uh, you know, one of my kids a diamond ring to give to his wife. Is it a gold transfer? Yeah, so so the concept of, of say, buying a coffee or, or something with crypto is already something well-established. There are many products out there. You, you tap your card and, um, you know, if you're buying coffee for $3, $3 of Bitcoin will come out of your crypto account and the cafe will just get cash. That's assuming the cafe's got access or the ability to trade in crypto. Well, no, so so a lot of these mechanisms are working, working over Visa and MasterCard. Right. So, so they do the conversion. They do it. the conversion. Yeah. So the cafe doesn't need to worry about crypto. The cafe just gets their $3. They have no idea. Actual you, old school you $3. With crypto yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. But it happens on the in, in It middle happens sp- on the payment yeah, process yeah. aside when, when you tap it. And it and debits your, your wallet. It debits your wallet. Yeah. And so this technology already exists. It's, it's being used by some people in the crypto industry. It's not extremely popular because everyone in Bitcoin doesn't want to spend their Bitcoin on coffee because they think it's going to go up thousand times yeah. and their coffee is going to cost them three grand in 10 years and they'll lose if sleep. If they spend now, yeah, yeah. If they spend it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the concept of replacing Bitcoin on that card with a gold coin is relatively simply simple on a technical perspective. Yeah. And so that's essentially what we're doing. We're using existing infrastructure when we talk about using gold as payments. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel there. It's just been about creating a, a, a stable cryptocurrency that, that people can use as a real, uh, a real way to store wealth is the reason why you you're you're describing it as a stable cryptocurrency or a stable digital currency is because you're effectively using technology to digitize gold. The the reason that- I'm referring to it as stable is is because currency itself is not stable. So we always see currency as stable because that's the only point of reference we have. But if you look at inflation and how currency is devaluing, currency is not stable at all. I mean, in 1959, a can of Coke cost five cents at your local store and today it costs $3. Hmm. Um, But if you're pricing gold, it's the same amount of gold. It's exactly right. the same amount of gold. The price of a can of Coke has had the same price in because gold for gold, 70 years. Because gold price has gone up. Gold price has – you could argue that the US dollar is current – the value of currency has fallen rather than gold price has gone up in, in yeah, yeah. the sense that you compare gold over dollars, the gold price has gone up um, a lot. But Re- Relative to US dollars. Relative yes, right. to US dollars. Yeah. But if you start pricing assets in gold, it's very linear. Um, during the last coronation in the UK, for example, King Charles' coronation, the price of the average property in London was 150 ounces of gold, which right. is about $450,000 or so, yeah. um, Australian dollars. Yeah. Um, back in Queen Elizabeth's coronation, the price of the average property in London was still 150 ounces of gold. Right. So the price of property in London in gold has been absolutely linear for but the past it, but, 70, 80 years. Okay, no, I get that. And, but back in when Queen Elizabeth was coronated, the value in Aussie dollars of that is not 450,000 Aussie dollars. It would have been some much lower number because the price of gold was much lower than it is today. 
Is it, that's the argument? Correct. So, so the argument is is in gold prices are quite linear, but in fiat currencies prices are quite volatile and yeah. generally de- generally inflationary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that well. makes sense. And, um, and everybody's always said gold is probably the best. I mean, I often heard this said over the years: gold is the best hedge against inflation. Well, it is, but how do you use it? Yeah, how do you use it? Because people generally do two things: they buy physical gold. And pay to store it. It's got no utility. It's yeah. just a leakage. Uh, no interest. You got no money. interest. You can't use it to borrow money. Yeah. You can't use it to get a mortgage on an investment property or buy shares on yeah. the stock market. It's just dead money. Yeah. Uh, or people buy paper gold. You know, they download an app or a trading program, or they go to their bank and they buy the rights to gold, and it sits in their account, and they get a statement, and that's called paper gold. Yep. Um, and the risk with that is, you know, the paper gold ratio right now is 122 to one. So there's 120 times, 122 times more paper gold in the world than physical gold. Yeah, that's worrying. And so that's concerning as yeah. well. Um, so it's generally utility and and also access. So you, this is pretty um, disruptive in in some respects of what you're planning. Digital currency backed by gold. Correct. Which gives it a bit more security too, doesn't it? It, it does give us security. And so a lot of this is about. Um, on a retail level, uh, Boolean FX is about bringing back control to users and also preservation of wealth. Preservation of wealth in the terms of you're not getting clipped by fees, but you're also not exposed exposed to inflation. Yeah. You know, if you really want a method to, if you really want to preserve your wealth for decades and decades to come, how do you actually do that? Do you leave your money in cash? Do you give it to a bank? Do you invest in the stock market? What if the world collapses? How do you find a real source of stability and a real method to preserve your wealth? And gold is a great resource for that. People have used it to preserve wealth for generations and general thousands of years. Why is that? I mean, what is it about gold that is such a big deal? Like, I, I think it's a bit of cognitive dissonance historically as well. You know, gold has gold has been referred to as God's money. You could put it that way. For thousands of years, it's been seen as God's money. I mean, why is that though? Is it because it's shiny? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I, I, I think it was it was difficult to mine. It was very rare, um, a very small supply thousands of years ago. Um, it was something that was seen as a real currency across cultures. For instance, you know, uh, thousands of years ago, a, a gold coin with a, a Muslim figure uh, in it would be easily accepted by the Christians in Europe. Yeah, uh, and vice versa. You know, the Muslims would accept a gold coin with the Christian logo on it as well. It just uh, completely cross religion, rise above everything, borders. It rose above everything. It became a real trading mechanism thousands of years ago. But it's really been in the last sort of seventy or eighty years since we've entered this debt market era um, that gold has really lost its its way as a currency. Um, and so with blockchain technology, blockchain technology has just allowed us to fractionalize gold. Yeah, to- that's a good way. That's a good way of putting it. You are fractionalizing gold as a digital currency, but it's, it's basically taking a, the value of gold and breaking it up into a whole lot of smaller parts. Correct. And so a one digital token uh, is equivalent to one ounce of gold. Right. But one digital token is divisible by 18 decimal places. So if you want to send 0.0001, gold or equivalent to one cent, you can do that. It's it's given gold the ability to uh, be securely stored in a database um, and to be fractionalized, to be spent. Blockchain technology has allowed us us to bring back gold as a currency globally. And, and so when you travel through 
mostly a third world. Um, that's something that's quite exciting for the third world because as you go through, um, you know, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Africa, a lot of these people don't trust their own currencies. They don't trust their banks. We think we've got a trust issue in the banking sector here, which I think we do as well. Um, in the third world, they've got a much bigger issue. I mean, a lot of people can't even get a bank account. The ones that do have a bank account are worried their bank's going to collapse. The ones that are with reputable banks in the third world are worried their country's going to collapse. Um, you know, what do you do if you're in Ukraine or Sudan and you want to preserve wealth, et cetera? So the concept of using gold as a, as a method of, of storing wealth and it also is using as day-to-day currency has always been quite attractive to us. It's just we've really lost the ability to do that with the current financial system. So I know you've just come back from hanging out with your mate on Necker Island, Richard Branson. Where does he see these sorts of things having application that Bullion FX is now engaging in? I think I think Virgin Group as a whole, um, uh, and, you know, my my conversation with Branson has been around Virgin Group as a whole positioning itself to improve humanity and to um, you know increase education, reduce poverty, uh, reduce po- poverty, um, etc., and to make a, a long lasting impact on society. And so the Virgin Group are doing a lot of work in Africa right now around improving quality of life, and the elephant in the room in all of that is access to the financial system. I mean, you can help, you can give someone books uh, or, you know, scholarship to school or university, you can feed them, you can give them healthcare. Um, But in a lot of those communities, what they're really missing out on is access to the financial system. Or a financial system. A financial system, right? The ability to just save, you know, we all take savings for granted, but uh, a lot of people in the third world just don't have the ability to save. Um, they don't have a bank account. They don't have the ability to earn an interest rate on their savings. They don't have an ability to use the wealth they've saved to borrow money or get microfinance, et cetera. And so if you can solve the problem of financial inclusion, um, you can make a, a long-lasting impact on humanity in a lot of those countries. And so I think Virgin have a, a strong agenda to improve the quality of life in the third world in specific areas. And I think potentially Boolean effects could work with Virgin to to execute on that. I mean, giving people in the third world access to a, a wallet that they can store gold on, get a savings rate on, use to obtain microfinance. And, you know, if they save enough, maybe use to, to you know, access the stock market or or buy a financial product that they would otherwise not have access to. That's how people build real wealth. Um, and that's very much the vision. And again, um, blockchain technology has finally enabled the market to bank the unbanked. You know, banking the unbanked has been a big issue we've spoken about for many years. It's not something that digital banks were able to solve, but the application of blockchain technology can solve that. I think one strength that we play to in that whole realm is that um, you can't really do it with Bitcoin or Ethereum or USDT. Because they're not stable. Because they're not stable. You know, there is a real risk. Everyone loses everything. But gold is seen as God's money in a lot of those countries. It is seen as stable. So the ability to bank the unbanked with gold could be quite powerful. Why wouldn't you go to see the president or whatever he's called of Venezuela who they now use Bitcoin as one of their currencies because of the very the point you're making? Why wouldn't they adopt something like this? Yeah, it's a Venezuela? very good question. Um, so the short answer to that is it can't be a government solution um, for the simple reason that let's say Sudan or Nigeria did this and then they went to war. Right. How would people really preserve their wealth? To some degree it needs to be an external solution coming in. 
um, that's quite important. I mean, Zimbabwe right now, you know, and they've had incredible inflation issues with their currency, have recently announced that the new Zimbabwe currency is 100% backed by gold. But I wouldn't be rushing to Zimbabwe to buy Zimbabwe dollars because it's backed by gold. I'd be worried about corruption. and oh, I'd be worried about they got, have they got enough gold? Are, are they buying it? Are they lying? Were they storing it? What, they what quality of gold it? you're buying? You know, exactly. Because we've had some issues even exactly. in Australia around the quality the of gold. Do the vaults disappear? Yeah. Um, so you've got a lot of that, I guess, let's call it third world risk associated. And so to some degree it can't be government a government solution, but it can be a solution that governments get involved with, um, which is interesting. But but it is ultimately better to be a non-government solution in that regard. So where is Bullion FX, your company, up to right now? I think what's driving me mm. is um, is I, I can clearly see an evolution in currency. I can clearly see currency evolving into the digital realm. You know, this is a problem banks can't solve to some degree. I think the technology exists. I mean, with my tech hat on, the technology exists to do this, to to bring custody back to the people and to to preserve wealth. I mean, the technology exists to do this. Why are you so obsessed about driving this outcome that you envision? I've got an incredible amount of frustration with the space, with the sector, from the banks down. You know, the modern currency system is not designed in the best interest of customers. You know, the currencies currencies are uh, economic tools from government. The modern monetary system doesn't prioritise the value of currencies as storage of wealth. So, you know, governments use currency um, to influence interest rates, um, economic policy has far-reaching effects towards inflation, employment, GDP, overall economic performance. Um, so as a result, you know, governments generally play with currency to to manipulate economic indicators and to best stimulate the economy um, as opposed to maximising the value of currency itself. For the consumer. For the consumer. That's a really good point you're making, by the way, because, because I see all that other stuff GDP, all the indicators as ways we as ways government like to measure themselves, how well they're performed, and they use the currency system to manipulate their outcomes. And it's not necessarily in the best interest of us, the consumers. Good examples of what's going with interest rates right now. Exactly. And you know, try and tackle inflation. The banking system today is is perceived by society as 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 something that is no longer inherently trusted. I think that's a big problem. I think it's a huge problem, but I also think it's a huge opportunity. Right now, Bullion FX has um, spent a few years developing gold as a currency in that token yeah. um, and solved a lot of problems around audit and liquidity and security, et cetera. We're very much trying to um, build out our ecosystem. So you can see we've got gold. We're trying to now build an ecosystem around that gold. And that ecosystem you know, covers core functionalities of currency like savings, savings markets, debt markets, and asset markets. And I call it an ecosystem as well because we very much want other people to build products on that ecosystem. You know, we've we've built, you could call it a gold backbone through the industry. Um, without getting too technical, it's a protocol called X over G, where X could be anything. So anyone could build anything over gold. 
Um, if you came up with a product or an NFT or tokenized property or something, you could build it over gold. If if you're a stockbroker, you could you could build stock indices over gold, for example. Um, so that ecosystem is quite important, and and we do call it an ecosystem because we do uh, want the community to build products inside. And so the next two years, that's a big focus for us. It's about building the ecosystem, and with that um, come a few other things like an app, you know, an easy to use app, and, and all that kind of stuff, and. How long have you been working on this for now? Um, about five years. Five years. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, the the most difficult part of this has been the audit. Um, you know, when we built this product originally, we we were brutally rejected by a lot of reputable people, and it's because we weren't properly audited. We did our best to get the best audit in the gold and blockchain world, but it just wasn't good enough to be institutional grade. Um, and so we we started talking to the big four firms. We ended up convincing BDO to take on the task of applying an institutional grade audit to this space. You know, this is a the type of audit that an ETF would go, a listed ETF would go through. Um, and so that process alone took us about two to three years, just trying to win one of the big four over to actually audit this space properly and then internally trying to convince them to build the product and put budgets behind it. And, um, you know, so a, a, a good two, three years of my life has been spent working with BDO on, on helping them create the world's first institutional grade audit. And that was just so important to build that building block. It, it's, it's, we never wanted to make money off the order. That was never a business for us, but it was just an essential component to build for us to have the product we wanted. And, you know, the big lesson with FTX was that, um, and I think this should be a lesson to all startups and all financial platforms, especially fintech, like there is a there is a huge amount of risk in centralizing customer funds. Well, it's, and- it's too big, it's too, too much, too seductive to the people who sit there controlling the centralized it is. place. And, and they'll, they'll just steal the money if they're in trouble. It is. It which is. is what happened with FTX. Which is what happened with FTX. And and so that is a huge problem. So the concept of, you know, there are a lot of startups out there with great products, which are very enticing. Um, but at the end of the day, do you really trust them with your money? As an exchange. Especially. As an exchange. Um, and this even goes to fintech. This is not solely a crypto issue. I mean, FTX was not, FTX was a crypto exchange, but the issue it has had was not a crypto issue. The issue it had was a centralized issue. It could have happened to a trading app. I won't name names. It could have happened to any trading app that pulls customer funds. Mm. Um, And so being able to build a system that allowed customers to have their own wallet and their own custody and plug that in to then use and unplug it, um, was a mammoth task to build, um, even in the crypto world. I mean, um, again, without getting too technical, but products, decentralized exchanges don't look great. They look like MS does. Um, so we spent a lot of time breaking real ground on, on building a system that people could safely use. So we've been in build mode for five years now. Um, we, we are just at launch. So we've recently launched our online exchange and over the next sort of six months or so, we'll be launching our app, um, which will be a bit more retail friendly. It'll be be a lot more usable. You'll see debit cards attached and a lot of functions attached. And then we plan to open the ecosystem to allow other people to build. For me, it's quite exciting, but it's uh, intellectually um, absorbing. 
um, it is from my from my point of view extraordinarily disruptive. <laughs> it is disruptive. It's very insightful what you what you what you've done, what you're doing, but no doubt it has been a massive burden, <laughs> a massive impost on you know in, in terms of you and your colleagues, your staff, everybody, just building this stuff out. And I'm no doubt you're not getting a lot of help from a lot of people either because they're probably saying, well, let's see how he goes. We don't particularly want to um, help him out, particularly if it's going to be a challenge to us. So, but the bullion FX, the idea of using gold to build wealth in a, and the fact that you can use it as well to protect wealth, for me, has a great deal of appeal. I think bullion FX is quite a brilliant initiative from you and your colleagues' point of view. So I wish you all the best. I look forward to when the app's launch, mate. And when the app's launch, maybe you can come in and show us how it all works. Would love to. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.